So today I am talking about how nutrition can really support brain health um, and I'm keeping it quite generic today so I'm not focusing, focusing on one particular condition it's all about just general general brain health and how we can um, eat eat better um, and as Kate said I'm a massive foodie I love I love food I love cooking and I'm really passionate about yes of course we've got to get our magnesium and our vitamin d and our you know omega-3 fats into our diet but actually it goes way more than that and you know having a, a really good relationship with your food and enjoying what you're eating is is also part and part and parcel of of having a healthy diet um so i put together some slides today and kate i was going to make it sort of open to questions as i was going but maybe that's better to have at the end then because of or, or do you think it's okay to ask as we go through? I think at the end would be better. Better, that's fine. Okay. That's yeah, okay. Thank you. As long as you don't mind me just going rattling on for, <laughs> for for ages. But I put together some slides. I have to um uh <laughs> my my technical skills aren't great on, on this, but um I hope I hope you enjoy them. So uh yes, so nutrition and brain health. So I want to talk firstly about um just a bit about the brain and what the human brain is and so actually it weighs about three pounds so just over a bag of sugar and over half of our brain is actually fat uh, believe it or not so uh, there are lots of people who have been on low fat diets that I've seen and actually when it comes to brain health you you it's the worst thing you could do you need good fat in your diet I'm going to go through some food sources in a moment but the brain is crying out for good fat and, and how it how it works is that fat enables your brain to communicate with all of the wonderful chemicals and hormones that we have circulating in our brain so any of you who have been tempted uh, not not that rosemary Conley is around really much anymore but it was always back in the 80s a real push to go on low fat diets and actually for the brain it's the, it's the wrong the wrong choice um, and then the rest of the brain is actually water protein, carbohydrates and salt. So hydration for brain health is absolutely key. Um, and so such a simple thing as just drinking what my glass of water here, more water can make such a difference to how our brain functions. Okay, so a little bit of science here, sounds very technical. Neurotransmitters, these are chemical messengers in our brain. And I'm just going to talk about three today that you, well, two I'm sure you've heard of and one maybe not. So we've got acetylcholine, we've got serotonin and we've got dopamine. And these are all uh, in our brains and um, responsible for how we're feeling. And so if we talk about dopamine first, so dopamine is our sort of euphoric uh, neurotransmitter. It makes us feel happy, um but sort of quite motivated as well okay so it gives us that get up and go and what we know about nutrition is that there are some really amazing foods that we can incorporate into our diets to help increase the production of dopamine so there are lots of dopamine altering drugs that often are used medically um, and sometimes that's absolutely essential but what we can do is do as much as much alongside that uh, with our diet and so um, the foods that would be really useful for increasing dopamine um, are listed below so lots of lots of healthy foods apples avocados beetroot 
uh, coffee, funnily enough, um, which I'll talk about more later on. Some good dairy, so uh, yogurt, making sure it's natural, not, not fruit based. Dark chocolates, there's some nice things on that list there. So, and, and eggs. And so these are all really easy to get hold of. Um, and the point of today is that you'll get away with a shopping list of things you can go off and find and add into your diet. But there's a little bit of a theme there with the apples, the avocados, the beetroot, they all sort of form part of this kind of rainbow diet. Um, and for any of you who've looked at my Instagram, although it's not perfect, it's a working progress. I'm always talking about color, you know, and I did a, a post yesterday. I mean, the weather's so miserable at the moment. We just want to feel like there's sunshine. So if we can't get it from, the, from nature, we need to get it on our plate. So color on our plate is, um, yes, it promotes dopamine production, but it makes us feel really, really pleased and really happy um, and content with what we're eating. And even things like colorful plates, it sounds really, um, a funny thing for me to say, but having a lovely colorful plate can actually add to that whole experience of dopamine production. Uh, serotonin, so I'm sure you've all heard of serotonin. This is our neurotransmitter that regulates our mood and emotion. So some people today might have been or are taking things called SSRIs, which are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. So they are antidepressants. And again, sometimes they're absolutely essential, uh, but there's lots we can do to boost that in our, in our diet. And interestingly, you produce about 80% of serotonin in the gut. And I'm gonna talk about the gut in the next slide or two um, and how the gut and the brain are basically one of the same. So foods again, a little bit of an overlap from the previous slide, fish, poultry, eggs, um, seeds, spinach, um, soya, and nuts. So lots of good whole foods that you can add. And I've put a little picture of the sun there, sunshine. So there's a condition called SAD or seasonal affective disorder. And it typically happens from November through till end of Feb, and maybe even March now because it's been such a, a dark month. But what we now know about this, this disorder is that actually it's not just the fact we're not getting any sunshine and you know is it sort of dull dull days no no sort of bright weather it's because we're not producing vitamin d and vitamin d is really key in reducing serotonin so for those of you who do experience um lower mood during the winter there's a real reason for it like i say it's not just the days are short lack of blue sky it's actually we're not producing vitamin d and so in that list of foods there, eggs and um, fish are two of the food sources of vitamin D, albeit quite small in percentages. You can only get about 10% from your diet. The rest of it is um, sunshine and supplementation. So serotonin is our wonderful, feel-good, happy, happy brain chemical. We, we want plenty. We want plenty of that. And then we've got something called acetylcholine. So something that may be slightly less uh, heard of, but this is the neurotransmitter responsible for memory. So we can link this to things like Alzheimer's and dementia. And there's lots of research on this neurotransmitter. 
So similar food groups, so eggs again, or egg yolk in particular, chicken, fish, mushrooms, beans, nuts, and dairy products. So what's very interesting about this, there's been some recent research, I didn't make reference to it, I'm afraid, but they found that there's a correlation with adolescent children and cognitive function and vegan diets. So there was a quite a drive um, for adolescent children to be, I suppose, more aware of the environment um, and they are going to more towards plant-based. So plant-based is wonderful, but actually vegan diets can be quite deficient in this particular amino acid called choline, and that's what produces acetylcholine. So um, even without Alzheimer's and dementia, just general cognitive, you know, memory recall, short-term, long-term, is very much dependent on having, I would say, a very balanced diet. And if you are happy to eat eggs, then eggs are really a superfood. Hope I'm not talking too fast, by the way. Maybe put my, everyone okay so far? Thumbs up? Good, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, right, a little bit more sciencey things, but hopefully I'll make it straightforward. So we've got this thing called the gut-brain axis. And us nutritional therapists have talked about the gut and the brain forever. You know, I've been practicing 25 years and have always understood the connection between the brain and the gut. And we've always been slightly sort of dismissed by the medical profession. And, and you know, someone goes to, a, to a, a neurologist for depression and they go, well, let's look, look at the brain. Um, someone goes to, the, to a gastroenterologist for their gut and they go, right, well, let's just look at what's going on with your gut. But we now, well, it's now with new and more and more emerging science and research, these two are inextricably linked. So what's going on in your gut can have a profound effect on your brain. And that's because we have a lot of these serotonin receptors in our, in our gut. Um, so things like, yeah, depression, bipolar, um, it's, it's, it's really good to look at the bigger picture and not just treat the, treat the symptom. So yes, there's lots of, in America, there's lots of research going on with uh, gut and, and brain health and hopefully we'll just, you know, be more, more inclusive. And it's that sort of expression, you've all heard of that sort of uh, butterfly stomach, you know, the exam tummy, that there's a real reason for it because we've got so much, so many receptors in our, in our gut. So, you know, it's all that expression, gut instinct, you know, listen to your gut all these old sayings and they're there they're there for a reason so yeah gut bacteria uh this is your bacteria probiotic your healthy bacteria so uh and also your bad bacteria so you have a whole mix of different bacteria in your gut um and everyone has very unique uh microbiomes they're called your gut microbiome is your blueprint like your dna i suppose and um but we know we can alter that gut through nutrition. And so um, eating more plant foods, eating more yogurts and fermented foods can all be really useful. And so um, the latest uh, research on gut health is, it's about trying to include as many plants as possible. So there's a real drive now to try and get us to have 30 plants a week. 
And you might be sitting there going, well, that's totally impossible. I couldn't eat 30 plants a week. But when you break it down, it's including fruit, veg, pulses, so all your chickpeas, lentils, nuts and seeds and spices. So actually, over the week, you can, you can get quite a few of those in. But the bottom line is the gut loves diversity. It doesn't want the same things all the time. And a few years ago, um, as with nutrition, there's always diets, you know, ketogenic, paleo, fasting, these sorts of things. So paleo diet was quite popular about five or six years ago, where it excludes carbohydrates pretty much altogether. So it's very much meat-based, dairy-based. Um, so it's good for the neurotransmitters because they need the protein, but for the gut bacteria, they need the carbohydrate. So I'm a real believer in a good balanced diet with good protein, good fat and good slow release carbohydrates, which I'll come on to um, shortly. So yeah, really fascinating. Um, and there's just more and more research uh, and money being put into, into this sort of gut gut brain research so tryptophan is an amino acid which converts into serotonin which is our happy brain chemical neurotransmitter so again we make we metabolize tryptophan in our gut so again it's just it's just fascinating um, i could do a whole talk just on on gut health and brain but yeah the bottom line is the the gut and the brain so if any of you do suffer with ibs type symptoms bloating pain altered uh, alternating bowel movements then really really sort of have a look into how you can support that um, and you know taking a probiotic eating more natural yogurt um, and just having a good mix of different different plants in your diet um, the vagus nerve this one some some of you may have come across this is a again fascinating the, the research I'm just going to move my picture down there so this is a nerve that runs from the brain all the way down into the abdomen and so you can see how connected our brain and our gut really are and this is basically like a, 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 a highway of communication so you get all of your um, chemicals and um, hormones basically feeding from one to the, through to through to the next and if you've ever had any physical therapies like uh, osteopathy, cranial osteopathy, or acupuncture, uh, or um, I'm trying to think of another one, there's the uh, Alexander technique. They're all looking at that kind of, they talk about the vagus nerve quite a bit and how they can tap into that energy supply. And so there is, there are nutritional strategies to improve this vagus nerve. So like, fats, omega-3 fats, probiotics, but there's quite a few things you can do like um, chanting, meditation, um, and cold exposure. So I don't know if any of you have tried cold water swimming. Um, I actually do do it with a friend who runs a local charity and the research on supporting the vagus nerve, lowering stress uh, is, in, is incredible. So if any of you are brave enough to find um, a lake, a pond, uh, the sea, obviously go with someone else if it's cold, but it's absolutely amazing for uh, nourishing this, this vagus nerve. Oops. Okay, right. Have I just gone to, or oh, someone's in the chat box, hang on. Um, 
Okay, there's something in the chat box. I can't So quite... Eden said she does cold showers. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. That's a really good starting point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but And then there's the Wim Hof method, which has uh, been around for, for a long time, and that's becoming very popular. So yeah, any kind of exposure like that can really, really stimulate the vagus nerve. So that, that's brilliant. Right, I want to talk to you about blood sugar um, and brain health. So I'm not talking about diabetes per se, uh, but that is part and parcel of having uh, unhealthy levels of, uh, or too much sugar in the, in the blood. So basically your brain needs sugar, um, but not from ice cream and chocolate, sadly, but it needs sugar. Uh, your, your cells respond well to it and it's your main fuel, your main energy. So what it's saying is that any alterations in that blood sugar, whether it goes too high or too low, your brain isn't going to be happy. And in fact, Alzheimer's is now being called type three diabetes. So we've got type one, which is where often it's something that people are born with or it suddenly happens and it means that the pancreas has stopped producing insulin altogether. We have type two, which is considered to be an adult age related diabetes where over the years diet hasn't been so good maybe weight is quite high um, and the pancreas stops being as efficient and then we have this type three where the sugars are affecting the brain um, and they're you know they're causing um plaques in the brain which is part of the diagnosis of alzheimer's so having a really stable blood sugar is so important for uh, reducing the, the sort of the risk of these degenerative diseases, but also just on a day-to-day -day basis, um, memory, concentration. Um, and I'm sure all of you have experienced times where you suddenly got a bit of brain fog or you can't remember something or you feel a little bit lightheaded and it's largely due to blood sugar imbalance. So you've got two, two types of um, uh, states that your, your, your body can go into, hypoglycemia, when your blood sugar drops low. So this can happen typically after about three hours after you've eaten. Um, and it might be that you are, I don't know, maybe some of you trying to lose weight and you're thinking, well, I won't eat for long periods. I might try intermittent fasting. Well, this isn't actually particularly good for brain health because the brain just wants that nice steady supply of sugar. So you might find you feel a bit dizzy, lightheaded, a little bit spaced out, you know, lacking mental clarity. And then you've got the opposite end when you've got something called insulin resistance where your blood sugar is constantly high and you can't get it into the cell. So your brain isn't taking it in properly and you end up having high blood sugar and you end up having too much insulin so the, the the risk of diabetes or um you know alzheimer's is actually greater so it's just thinking about how you can eat to have a lovely stable blood sugar and um even things like um feeling a bit sort of agitated anxious can be really brought about by having too, too many of these sort of blood sugar fluctuations. So if any of you do suffer with anxiety disorders, then just balancing your blood sugar, which I'm going to show you how to in a minute, is going to be a good, a good starting point. So how do we eat to balance our blood sugar? So these are my favorite tips. Okay, so eating within an hour of waking up. We don't want to be doing intermittent fasting. 
intermittent fasting is something that's gained a lot of popularity over the last few years and there are different types there's 18 6 or 16 8 there's 12 12 there's there's 5 2 they're all basically ideas of trying to uh, generally for for weight loss people are using these protocols but in terms of brain health if you're going long periods about food particularly in the morning your brain doesn't like it so you might feel that you're starting off quite feeling quite stressed quite anxious your brain the whole point of breakfast is breaking the fast so you want to be having something ideally within that first hour of waking up and your plate should be a, a combination of three food groups so carbohydrates fats and proteins um, and that is looking at complex carbohydrates so brown rice porridge oats um, whole grain seeded toast that would be a good one um, you've got protein which would be your eggs or some cheese and then you've got fats which would be from your nuts and seeds or from smoked salmon or avocado or something so you know it, it's also thinking that porridge so if any of you love porridge porridge is brilliant but it's still just carbohydrates you want to add some ground flaxseed you want to add some chopped walnuts some berries and you've got a really good slow release breakfast okay so little little strategies like that can make such a difference to, to you know just the basic bowl of porridge make it even better for your blood sugar by having that protein and that fat i'm a massive fan of snacking as well little and often don't go long periods um if any of you get that sort of like the the evening munches um that's fine but just be mindful of what you're having um, and it might just be that if you are choosing something sweet before bed, you start waking up early in the morning. And so just be be aware of that. And I'm very 80 20 in my approach. So of course, you can have some chocolate and you can have some um, you know, whatever your whatever your uh, desire is, but just maybe go more for dark chocolate and then it has less of an, of an impact on that blood sugar. Um, and I'd really avoid fruit juice. So a really simple swap. If any of you are having fruit juice, eat the whole fruit but not the juice because if you think about an apple an apple is a really nice fibrous fruit and then the minute it's been juiced you've just got liquid sugar so have it in its whole food form not juiced if you really do love juice then i would just dilute it down with some water and then limit caffeine so we're going to talk about coffee in a minute because the research actually is good in moderation uh, but you want to be mindful of, of having sort of, I would say, moderation would be two to three cups a day maximum, um, because it it just raises the blood sugar and then it crashes down again. And it's not even that you're having sugar in your coffee, it's the action of the caffeine on the blood, the blood sugar. So it, it goes up and then comes down again. So if, if any of you have experienced sort of anxiety after a cup of coffee, then that would be why. Um, so what are the best foods for brain health? So the research really is quite uh, conclusive in that we want to be following a Mediterranean diet or as close to it. And by that, I mean as much colour as possible. So a Mediterranean diet is pretty perfect mm. in every sense. It's full of colour. They have obviously the climate where they grow all their lovely, wonderful, massive peppers and tomatoes and you know bright colours. They also have olive oil. They always have lots of garlic. They also have lots of oily fish. They maybe not so many nuts and seeds, but they have they have a really good 
you know, platform of health. So it's about uh, doing this most of the time and having, um, you know, a, a, as much variety, as much colour in your diet. So these are some of the foods that have had some really good studies uh, on them. I haven't put all the references in here, but beetroot. So beetroot is quite unique. Uh, it's a real superfood. So you may have heard of superfoods over the years, goji berries and various things like um, uh, matcha and you know, they're okay, but actually just right in front of you in the supermarket, easy, you know, available beetroot. It's the humble beetroot, you know, it's so, so nutritious. So it's got nitric um, oxide in and what it helps, it helps increase blood flow. So it helps to get blood to the brain. Um, and um, also because of the color of it, it's so rich in, uh, it's called a betalane, which is an antioxidant and it stops the brain or reduces the risk of uh, the cells being damaged by free radical activity. So beetroot is absolutely brilliant, raw, vacuum packed, you, you name it. So you could have a nice salad for lunch with you know, beetroot, feta cheese, olive oils and mackerel or something on the side. Really, really good. We've got pumpkin seeds, wonderful again. So out of all the different seeds, they're particularly rich in zinc and zinc is uh, important for neurotransmitter production and uh, also full of magnesium, which is nature's tranquilizer. It's really calming, helps promote good uh, mood, helps with sleep as well. So things like pumpkin seeds, uh, I made a risotto last night actually, and then I just toasted some pumpkin seeds, put them on top. They're great for snacking on, they're great for putting into porridge, natural yogurt, just really versatile. And then walnuts, I always laugh about this one because walnuts look like a brain. Um, and there's very good reason for that because they are so amazing for brain health. So they're one of the only nuts that contains pretty much predominantly omega-3. So we have two essential fats in our diets um, and we've got omega-3 and omega-6 and they're essential because we need them for life. We can't make them in the body. We have to get them from diet and or supplementation. And they are incredibly powerful in their ability to reduce inflammation. So when we think about some uh, uh, age-related conditions, like also hereditary conditions like Alzheimer's, dementia, there's always an element of inflammation. Most disease state, there's, there's inflammation involved. Um, so by having these omega-3 fats from the walnuts, it really helps to reduce that. Plus they are rich in uh, something called gamma tocopherol, which basically is vitamin E. And again, it's a really important antioxidant. So it helps with healthy cells and um, blood flow. So really great. So sprinkle them onto your porridge uh, or just snack on them. They are really wonderful. And then the good old egg again, superfood. So for those of you who are eating eggs, there's no cholesterol in eggs. You can have as many as you like a week and they are a real um, superfood. So they've got lutein in there, which is uh, an, uh, an antioxidant and which has always been associated with eye health actually, but now we're looking at brain health, choline for memory. It's a good protein. It's got some vitamin D, some vitamin A. So eggs are really are a superfood. And again, easy to get hold of, easy to, easy to cook with. I've got a couple of messages in the, ch in the chat box. Should I, do you want to go? Uh, yeah, let me just have a look for you. Yeah. Um, 
So Dean has said, I'm allergic to all dairy, but I love cheese. I'm able to have goat's cheese or manchego. I have eggs every day cooked in olive oil um, or microwaved. I am looking at more ideas for a dairy-free diet, but keeping healthy. Oh yeah, I think um, I think I had an email actually from from that gentleman. Yeah, so I think you know if, if you know that you can't have dairy manchego and like the buffalo mozzarella, um, goats, sheep's, those cheeses would be fine, and then. Um, just having as much, uh, I mean, dairy isn't the be all and end all. If you can have the, the ones you've mentioned, then that would be absolutely fine. And, and obviously eggs, which aren't technically dairy, but eggs are great. Some fish, some, you know, and, and having lots of fats and nuts and seeds and legumes get more pulses in the, into the diet as well, like chickpeas and lentils. Thanks, Helen. Um, right. And then some more lovely food. So again, on a, on a Mediterranean field, so olive oil. So don't be afraid to use olive oil. Really, really good. It's best if you, uh, I always get asked this question, so I'll say it um, and preempt it, but there are different types of olive oils you may have seen. You've got the light ones, which are quite yellow, and you've got the very dark green ones, and they get darker the more extra virgin they are. And so you don't have to be an absolute stickler for this, but the idea is that you would cook with a light olive oil, and then you would put the dark virgin oils over your salads as salad dressings. Because the more, um, the, the darker, the more virgin the oil is, the more likely it is to be damaged when it's heated. So yes, I would, I would use the light olive oils for cooking and then use the dark for salad dressings. Um, you can also, also use coconut oil for cooking with as well. But olive oil is amazing, reduces inflammation, and uh, it's it's just brilliant and easy to get hold of. And don't be afraid to have the fat, because I think there, like I say, there's been a wave of people who've been cutting fats out, but actually we need it for a healthy brain. And yeah, fish. So like I say, the, the brain is 60% fat, so it is a no-brainer, pardon the pun. Um, we do need lots of it, oily fish. And if we can't or not eating it for... Um, ethical reasons or for health reasons, then that's where walnuts are really useful. And if you don't just don't like fish, because uh, you don't have to like everything I'm suggesting, that's when a supplement can be useful. So uh, a good fish oil supplement. I think anyone with any um, depression, uh, anxiety, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, anything that's affecting the brain would very, do, do very well on a fish oil supplement. And then green leafy veg, my favourite, kale, cavalanero, broccoli, the greener the better, loads of magnesium, uh, loads of folic acid, vitamin K, these are all fantastic for cognitive uh, function and just get as much as you can and every day if, if possible, whenever you have a meal, whereas the green veg, when you have salad, have some rocket, watercress soup, that kind of thing, as much green in your diet as possible. And then berries. So berries have been extensively researched in terms of brain health uh, for their, their antioxidant ability. Okay, so just to clarify what I'm talking about, antioxidants protect the cells in the brain from damage. And the cells, we, we were exposed to free radical damage on a daily basis just by walking, exercising, uh, breathing, you know, there's going to be some deterioration. But if we can put the antioxidants in, it slows that process down. So berries are really wonderful. Blackberries, blueberries, raspberries, 
um, the darker the pigment, the better. And I would say this time of the year, I mean, we're coming into spring, so we're going to be getting more seasonal berries, but I always buy frozen berries this time of the year. So you can get them out the night before, or if you forget like me, my husband's always <laughs> reminding me to stick by my own rules. I, I will then just warm them up in a pan and then put them to my porridge or put them into a smoothie. So frozen berries are a really good staple and actually they're they're much more reasonably priced than fresh berries this time of the year so have a good have a good supply of those uh and Hello. then tea and coffee Hello. yes I just um someone's asked about rapeseed oil yes um i would say no because rapeseed is predominantly omega-6 um so yes it's quite stable cooking with but i think i'm not I'm not such a fan of it. And I think it's becoming too commercialized or too commercially produced rapeseed oil. So it's changing in, it, in its structure. Um, so I would stick with light olive oil for cooking and coconut oil and a bit of butter as well, actually is very good. Um, I'm, I've only got a few more slimes. It's a Hoppers 12, um, Kate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that's okay. I'm just realizing <laughs> I've only got three more slides. Don't worry. Um, so tea and coffee. So yes, we can enjoy our tea and coffee and feel that we're actually doing our brain some good. So moderation, you know, um, we know that caffeine intake can actually promote cognitive uh, improvement memory. It, it, it encourages good blood supply to the brain, but we don't want to overdo it. So I would say two to three cups max and, and no more. And if you're having problems with sleeping, then don't have coffee after midday or even try cutting it you know, right back to one or two cups, but moderate tea and coffee drinking. Um, if you get a good quality coffee as well, it's got polyphenols, which are another source of antioxidants to protect the brain. Cacao, so this isn't the same as cocoa. I haven't, I haven't put a typo there. This is actually called cacao. Um, and it is the unheat treated version of cocoa so it's got all the nutrients it's got all the antioxidants it's got magnesium it's got mag manganese and really imp important for brain brain health so you can have a nice cup of hot cacao um, and not feel uh, guilty about it um, turmeric brilliant you know it's become widely available now blood flow again antioxidants chamomile and water just good old-fashioned water keep your brain hydrated 40 percent of our brain is water and now, sadly, also things to have, you, you may see I've put reduce, not avoid. So red meat, you know, we all know we should have less red meat. Um, it contains saturated fat and that can uh, do the opposite to the omega-3 fat. So it, it kind of causes the blood to be sticky. Um, it hardens the cell membranes in the brain. Um, so all in all, it's um, not great to have too much. Uh, there are different red meat can't be put into one big bracket though so if you're having good quality lean steak mints or you know steak it's different to having lots of bacon and sausages for example but just moderation the key thing is to have more plant foods so if i make a spaghetti bolognese i always use lentils alongside the meat sugar we all could do with having less refined sugar so this is your cakes biscuits and sugary cereals so trying to have more uh, natural sweeteners like dates and maple syrup is very good. But sugar does create a lot of inflammation in the brain. 
alcohol again some of these you probably are, are, don't come as a surprise well red wine i think there are mixed studies so moderate intake would be of some benefit because of the antioxidants uh, blood flow to the brain um, but too much can cause mental uh, impairment and then processed foods you know processed foods are full of ingredients that we wouldn't naturally be cooking with and so we want to just naturally reduce our intake of processed foods so my rule of thumb is if you're looking at something that's been is shop bought have a look at the ingredients list if there's things in there that you think oh what on earth is that but just don't don't buy it so to summarize um essentially as you've heard what you what you eat in your diet can have a profound effect on on cognitive health whether that just be preventative uh, it could just be day-to-day -day, um, trying to get more mental clarity or you could have a an underlying condition um, but the bottom line is eat more fresh foods more plants more oils more healthy fats and less processed food and that is the recipe for a healthy brain